The Daily Rios for Thursday, February 28th, 2013. I return with some Marvel Now reviews. And if you didn't realize this, uh, it's been over four months now that Marvel Now has been kicking off. And I swear that's the most I've talked consistently about Marvel in a long, long time. So, uh, the last episode uh, that I covered some Marvel Now comics was back on February 8th, where I took a look at Young Avengers number 1, Fearless Defenders number 1, Savage Wolverine number 1, and Uncanny X-Force number 1. This episode catches me up on new number 1s with Secret Avengers number 1, and then Uncanny X-Men number 1. I did read Daredevil 23, which has some of the Marvel Now branding, if not necessarily the actual words Marvel Now on the cover. Uh, and then Nova number one, and wrapping it all up with Guardians of the Galaxy point one, which came out this week. Uh, I did find it interesting that as I was thinking about some of the Marvel Now comics that I've reviewed so far... Um, certain ones kind of still stick in my brain. You know, I can, I can see pages, I can see actual panels, I can see layouts and sequences, uh, from like Indestructible Hulk number one, or Avengers number one, or All New X-Men number one. And yet there are some books, Fearless Defenders, Morbius, Cable and X-Force, I, I can't, there, there, there are a few images that, that I can sort of bring to the forefront of my memory, but not a lot. So um, some of this Marvel Now stuff is sticking with me. Uh, Some of the titles uh, absolutely are not. So let's take a look at those comics that I mentioned for this episode and see which ones I think will stick with me down the road or that I'll just forget. So going back to February 13th was the release of Secret Avengers number one. This is by Nick Spencer and Luke Ross. Uh, On the cover, straight from the movie, Nick Fury Jr., Hawkeye, Black Widow. If you really take a look at them, take a look at their faces. They really do have a movie feel to it. In fact, the entire team rounded out with Maria Hill and Phil Coulson certainly is an homage to the movie. And the title itself for this issue, which is Budapest, is a line from the Avengers movie. Talk about synchronicity, right? Uh, There's a line in the Avengers movie where I think Hawkeye says, or maybe Black Widow says, it reminded me of, boy, that kind of was similar to Budapest, and the other one says, well, I don't remember it that way, or whatever. Uh, So it's a a little bit of a spin on it. Maybe it's their way of um, telling that story that was just mentioned in the movie. Uh, So the whole thing is Hawkeye and Black Widow get brought into S.H.I.E.L.D. because S.H.I.E.L.D. wants to use them as, you know, special ops. What they don't tell Hawkeye and Black Widow is that they're using them to test out some some new uh, nanotechnology um, to use on their agents. And, uh, you know, you have to read it to sort of get the... The spin on the whole story and the whole concept. You know, I want you to read it for yourself. Because uh, this this issue, I enjoyed it. I really did. I'm interested to see what is done with it and, and where we're going to go. It's not a must-read, 
But I, I'll let you decide for yourself what you thought of the story and what you thought of the. It's not a. It's not a twist. It's it's just sort of like a concept that Nick Spencer has for. Uh, for this book, for a book called Secret Avengers, right? There should be some secret to it, right? So he's playing around with that. I thought there were some interesting Marvel concepts that they brought about, like the Dark Force, uh, a, dimension, uh, a dimension called Absence of God. I kind of dug that. I always like when they deal with some very Marvel concepts, things that exist in the Marvel Universe. It doesn't necessarily have a real, true, singular voice, uh, you know, like a Nick Spencer voice in, in terms of the writing. Uh, not that he's really developed one just yet, maybe. Not in the way that a Hickman comic feels like a Hickman comic, right? Or even, you know, God forbid I say this, but like a Kevin Smith comic or a Grant Morrison comic. Um, you know, this didn't quite feel like what I, I, I sort of want from a Nick Spencer book. Uh, and to be honest... The, you know, this may as well have been written by any go-to writer for espionage thrillers or for spy thrillers, right? This could have been easily written by Nathan Edmondson or Dwayne Swierzynski, you know. Uh, even early Ed Brubaker, you know, what he wrote with uh, Secret Avengers back in, you know, how many years ago that was, or months ago, whatever. But I did enjoy it, uh, like as I said, and I'll probably read some more. Um, the artwork Luke by Luke Ross... Uh, he was the artist on the Jonah Hex series that started back in 2006, and at that time it was a little more photorealistic. Uh, this book goes the Buffy route, right? The Buffy comic over on Dark Horse, um, where the characters are meant to look like the actors, but it's not quite photorealism, and they're not trying to totally mimic the actors, outside of maybe Phil Coulson, who who does look like Clark Gregg. Um a few of these Marvel Now books are using the whole 10 hours ago thing to kick off uh, the issue, to kick off the story. And, you know, you're sort of thrown into the present and then you're immediately thrown into the past to see how you got to the present. Uh, it's getting a little overplayed in, in some of these espionage comics. Um, you know, that particular story device I could do without, but I understand why they use it, especially in this story. Uh, all to say... Um, I've been noticing it uh, here and there, and, and it's that's not always a good thing. I read a few reviews. IGN said, Mercifully, the inclusion of Agent Coulson and not Nick Fury, Nick Fury doesn't feel like an Avengers movie cash-in. To what I say, what? This is absolutely an Avengers movie cash-in. I mean, the, the cover alone shows it. The, the, the roster of the characters. Uh, Phil Coulson absolutely looks like as I said, the actor and 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 Nick Fury on the cover looks like Nick Fury Jr. looks like Samuel L. Jackson. I mean, this is this is a this is an Avengers movie cash in. Don't let them fool you. Uh, CBR says it's safe to say this isn't a hugely revolutionary story, but it's very well constructed and takes an unusual premise and makes it work. So you know, I I, I kind of agree with uh, some of that. Um, there is a very obvious scene in, in the middle of the book where Hawkeye meets, uh, Nick Fury Jr. and says something like, uh, you know, you're Nick Fury, and Maria Hill says, it's his name now, deal with it, and move on. Obviously, she's talking to the readers, uh, the writer and Marvel are saying, hey, yeah, we know, we kind of ham-fisted this in that we were gonna get a black Nick Fury with an eye patch just like he is in the movies, because that's how he is in the Ultimate Universe. 
and it was always meant to be Samuel L. Jackson, and it still is Samuel L. Jackson to this day, obviously with the movies. Uh, so they're trying to say, you know, we're, we're going to just gloss all over where he comes from, and he is now Nick Fury, to which I say bullshit. He is Marcus Johnson, and he will always be Marcus Johnson because it was totally a ham-fisted way that they went about um, making him Nick Fury. You know, throwing in Phil Coulson into the Marvel Universe after he was in all those... Uh, Marvel movies, fine. You know that that's I I can dig that. That's what they did with Harlequin back in the day. Um, you know I I like that. But this whole Black Nick Fury thing is in the six one six. It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean I don't really care about it one way or another. But don't bullshit me that it's not. You know that that he's got to go by Nick Fury now. No, he's Marcus Johnson, and I'm going to call him Marcus Johnson. I'm not going to call him Nick Fury anymore. So yeah, that way you'll always know that it is Marcus Johnson. All right, let's go to Uncanny X-Men number one. This is by Brian Michael Bendis and Chris Pachalo. The sister book to all-new X-Men number one by Brian Michael Bendis and Stuart Immonen that I'm really enjoying. And uh, I like this. Um, it wasn't quite as strong as all-new X-Men number one. Uh, they had to go over a lot of exposition in this issue for any new readers. But come on, someone reading this issue has to also be reading all-new X-Men, right? Or, I mean, why wouldn't you, right? Um... Or maybe not. Maybe people are just picking this up because they, they enjoy the title, Uncanny X-Men, right? Or they enjoy Chris Pachalo or something like that. Uh, but I did. I, I, I It's a setup issue, but it, it's good, and it's going to run in companion with all new X-Men, so I'll stick around for it. I really dug the artwork. I always like Chris Pachalo's artwork. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of his work, um, you know, but I, but I do like it. I appreciate it. Uh, I don't want people to think that, you know, that I'm some mega fan of his work. No, I just, he's one of those artists that I like looking at his art, uh, no more, no less. Um, the book is, is basically just introducing you to Cyclops's team. They all have new costumes. Their powers are all wonky because of the Phoenix event within Avengers versus X-Men. Um, there's some new mutants here and there. Uh, and it all boils down to there is a traitor in the midst, midst of Cyclops' team who has gone to S.H.I.E.L.D. In fact, the book's, book opens with Maria Hill, Phil Coulson, and Marcus Johnson. And it's like, whoa, more S.H.I.E.L.D., right? And you're like, whoa. So there's a traitor, and he's talking to them about Cyclops and saying that Cyclops is basically going over the deep end. So, um... They should do something about it before he... And they should not make him a martyr, right? They should not kill him, uh, because then he'll just become a martyr to the cause. I like some of the new costume designs. I like that Cyclops's face actually looks like what a Cyclops would look like, right? Putting the X uh, so that there's like a center point right a, right in the middle of his eyes uh, makes it look like that's a, where a Cyclops's eye would be. I kind of dug it. There's a battle with some Sentinels. I always like when the Sentinels are in. So it was, it was a decent book. It didn't grab me quite like all new X-Men, but uh, I, I am enjoying it, and I will see how it you know flip-flops with all new X-Men to tell a larger story that Bendis wants to tell with these characters. Um, all right, then we go to February 20th, and that was when Daredevil 23 and Nova 1 shipped. So I read Daredevil 23 by Mark Wade and Chris Somney. Uh, this story, someone is trying to duplicate, duplicate the accident that made Matt Murdock into Daredevil. Um, and there's some things going on with, uh, Matt Murdock and the health of Foggy Nelson. They're talking about, it feels like someone is, has been pulling the strings. 
behind the scenes in Matt Murdock's life with all these, you know, a couple of villains going after him and just some stuff going on. Um, it is definitely a starting point for new readers uh, that maybe haven't been reading Daredevil. There's some stuff in it that makes you question what has gone before, which you could look at as a tease to go pick up a previous uh, trade, right? It doesn't always have to be bad writing just just because it teases some earlier stuff. Uh, sometimes I like that, you know. Sometimes a writer should be allowed to, you know, throw in a little tease here and there so that, uh, you know, it makes you want to go pick up some other stuff. That's the whole point of comics, right? They're not they're not one forward motion moving thing, right? It's you can go back backwards, forwards, whatever. Having said that, uh, it's it's a decent issue. It doesn't quite speak to me in terms of um, continuing on or, um, I don't know, I liked it. I thought it was good. Um, Matt Murdock talks a little bit about his powers and uh, he talks about, you know, how he got his powers and, and that it, it was all based on these events, these very particular events, including the particulars of his body chemistry. Which, I don't know, does that suggest something more about him, right? You know, I, I, I never really liked when DC got on that whole metagene, metahuman kick, uh, wherever people had the metagene in them, so that even people like Deathstroke and Green Arrow, they were trying to say, had a metagene in them, and that's why they were superheroes, because that metagene kicked in. I never really liked that, you know. With Marvel and the radioactivity, it should just be radioactivity, right? And, and the genetic manipulation because of it. So when you start talking about particulars of body chemistry, you know, then it's like, okay, well then does that mean that Matt Murdock is something more than human, right? I don't know. Just just let it be radioactivity. I, I, again, it may not go that way, but if that's what they were trying to push, um, uh, I, I kind of would be against that, you know. Unless it was some kind of genetic manipulation by, like, the Kree or the Celestials, and that's why they're superheroes on the Earth. I would buy that because that's actually in continuity somewhere in the Marvel Universe. You know, those those two races are always screwing around with, with Earth people. So, um, uh, I, I could see that. But it was an okay issue. If you're reading Daredevil, I'm sure you'll like it. If you're not, I don't know, maybe you'll pick it up and maybe you'll keep reading it. Who knows? Um, Nova number one, Jeff Loeb and Ed McGinnis. Uh, this particular character, this new Nova, um, what's his name, Sam Alexander, uh, we've seen him a bunch of times before already. We saw him in Point One back in 2011, and now, and then we also saw him in Marvel Now Point One at the end of 2012. Um, they're bringing in Jeff Loeb is bringing in a whole other Nova core, right? They're called Supernovas with with um, or Black Novas um, with darker costumes, and they call the regular Novas Gold Domes. It's a story about a father and telling his children that he used to have all these space adventures, but the one doesn't believe him. Sam doesn't believe that he ever was that until he actually meets some members of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, apparently, this character also appeared on the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon, which I haven't watched, so uh, it's not a totally new character, but this is an origin story, this issue number one. I don't know how long this first story arc is going to go, uh, but I liked it. I, I liked the team of Jeff Loeb and Ed McGinnis at times, and this one didn't disappoint. It's not the best work. It's not the most exciting work I've ever seen from them, but the story didn't really lend itself for that, right? It was kind of actually very personal. I mean, obviously the character's name is Sam, 
And if you know, Jeff Loeb's son died of maybe a disease, and his name was Sam. So I can see why he's trying to make this, um, you know, kind of like a family story, a father-son story, an adventure story. We'll just see where it goes. I did have to question, if the father is telling the truth, and he was a member of the Black Novas, um, one of the past sequences that you're seeing, uh, you're seeing a scene from the past, it says 17 years ago, and there are members of the Guardians of the Galaxy in it, but it's like uh, Rocket Raccoon and Gamora, um, and you know that sort of makes me go, well, no, they weren't members that long ago, They're, it's more of a newer concept, so I don't know what they're doing there. Uh, all to say, though, I did like the issue, it was enjoyable. Uh, one of the better Marvel Now titles. Uh, certainly not a standout just yet, but not too bad. And then lastly, from this week, I read Guardians of the Galaxy Point One, which is an expansion of the stuff that we saw in Marvel Now Point One, which I was kind of a little disappointed by that. But it is a Point One issue, so it should be more of a, a slower introductory story or something of an origin issue or something to bring readers up to speed, and that's exactly what this issue is. Telling the backstory of Peter Quill and his alien father meeting a human mother and, you know, some kind of um, intergalactic war. By the end of the issue, we see that uh, Peter Quill has been basically telling his origin to Iron Man, and it'll go from there next issue. Uh, the artwork is really beautiful by Steve McNiven. It's it's different. It must I don't know if it's because of John Dell, the inker. Uh, it's different. It's a little not looser, but the lines aren't as um, specific as I'm used to with some with Dexter Vines on the on the ink over Steve McNiven. Uh, it's good. I I really do like it. I, I'm I found myself looking at a couple of the pages and uh, really enjoying it. It almost reminds me of. Um, Gary Frank on Supreme Power, um, kind of like that artwork uh, a little bit here and there, and some of the faces and some of the body designs and character designs. So um, I like the Guardians of the Galaxy concept. I really like Peter Quill and, and the Star-Lord thing that Marvel has. Um, so I, I'm going to follow this book. Although I have to say in the, um, what is this, uh, in the, page where they're kind of just talking about Guardians of the Galaxy in the back of the book. There's a, a little bit of a rundown of who the characters are and where Star-Lord comes from, and they make a comment here in one of the paragraphs that says, um, Star-Lord continued as a feature in a magazine, uh, but aside from a, a sporadic appearance here and there through the years, was more or less forgotten until becoming a lead character in Guardians of the Galaxy. Well... No, for those of us who actually know our Marvel history, and for shame Marvel, because you should too, uh, Star-Lord really got his start, this version of Star-Lord got his start, because Keith Giffen put him into Thanos. There was a 12-issue Thanos miniseries, um, I don't know, 2003, 2004, somewhere around there. It started with Jim Starlin for the first six issues, and then Keith Giffen took over with Ron Lim, I believe, and that's actually where you got many of the the concepts and many of the basic ideas of what would eventually become Annihilation. And in it, Peter Quill was brought back, although he wasn't Star-Lord. He didn't want to be called, Star, called Star-Lord at that point. But he was this badass, kind of curmudgeon, cocky character. 
Um, he was, you could sort of say he was Keith Giffen's um, flesh suit, uh, fiction suit, I should say, where he would, he was like Keith Giffen's stand-in. He does that a lot. He creates a character that he can basically speak through, and that was Peter Quill. So that eventually would morph over into a few other titles here and there until it became Annihilation, which he was a big part of, and then, of course, Annihilation Conquest, and then eventually Guardians of the Galaxy. So... Peter Quill has been around for a number of years before Guardians of the Galaxy, before the last series that ran, I don't know, two years or whatever it was, two, three years. Um, so that, that little blurb in the back. Now you're, it, it's, it's weird, you know, I know that's a question I have about this new Guardians of the Galaxy. Are they trying to not necessarily reboot the concept, but they're not necessarily also paying attention to everything that has happened since... 2004, 2005, 2006 with Annihilation. It's kind of like they want to distance themselves because they want to go a whole new direction. And I guess that's okay, but, you know, that the whole reason there's a Guardians of the Galaxy book in the first place is because of all the work that Keith Giffen and Dan Abnett and um, Andy Lanning and all those people, uh, Andy Schmidt, you know, I think Bill Roseman had a th uh, some hand in all of that. I, all those people that wanted to kickstart Marvel's comic uh, a number of years back, you know, they're the ones that really deserve the credit here. And uh, let's not forget that, because um, that's the whole reason why there's a Guardians of the Galaxy movie coming out, because they busted their ass to make Marvel cos Cosmic awesome. All right, so, yeah, I enjoyed that issue. Um, I enjoyed most of these issues from, from this... Uh, in this episode. Uh, so I'll continue on with some Marvel Now reviews here and there. Uh, it's starting to slow down. There's not many more titles that need to come out yet, new number ones. Uh, and I need to catch up with some of the story arcs that have wrapped up. Um, and eventually, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll probably stop just talking about Marvel Now itself and try to throw in some other reviews of other things that I've been reading or picking up. So uh, let me know what you thought about these titles. You can always email me, peter at thedailyreels.com. If you have an iPhone, you can send a little short voice message if you want, and I'll play it on the show. Leave a comment on the website at thedailyreels.com. Leave a review on iTunes if you would. And I will see you tomorrow for Feedback Friday.